Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, March 15th, Lynn, we cannot hear you. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday, March the 12th, the special edition, is 20045. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Penny E. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, good morning. Penny E., South Jersey, recovered the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these character defects. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Penny. And Nancy T. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everybody. Nancy, recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. <clears throat> the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, How It Works, page 67, the first paragraph. We avoid retaliation or argument, ending with tolerant view of each and every one. Claire E., could you start us off, please? Sure. Thanks so much, Lynn. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compositor in the UK. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. 
Um, so my name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. And um, I, I, I say this about most bits of Big Book. I love this part of the Big Book. Um, I am definitely someone who easily clocks up resentments. Um, my rage and my anger have in abstinence been a big problem for me um, and, you know, have tripped me up over and over. And it says on the previous page, you know, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, has the power to actually kill me, you know. And the, the fact of the matter is, if I'm resentful, I am taken out of my safe and protected harbour. I'm cut off from the sunlight of the spirit and I'm in danger of eating. And it also says, you know, these resentments have to be mastered by how I can't wish it away. And, you know, this paragraph here reminds me that I can't do this. You know, um, even the avoiding retaliation and argument, um, in, I'm just reminded of the phrase, I think it's in the AA 12 and 12, where it says, you know, restraint of tongue and pen has to be given the utmost priority. And, you know, I've, I'm certainly not perfect at this. I certainly have <laughs> entered into retaliation and argument on many occasions. But I am learning that I absolutely have to pause as a priority. I absolutely have to go off and do the work around my resentment um, and, and restrain myself from reacting. You know, my overreactivity and my self-righteousness has to just be bitten on until I've done my step 10 um, or, you know, inventory. And, and, and this part of the book, you know, these last couple of paragraphs is the pause. You know, for me, it's the pause. It's the pivot between those first three columns and my self-righteousness and what everyone else has done to me. And that deep breath of, OK, God, please show me where my class is. You know, how do I change? Um, and, you know, the first part is I, I avoid retaliation argument. I, I'm not helpful. It doesn't help anything if I start mouthing off and reacting. It doesn't make things better. It doesn't make people do what I want. In fact, if anything, you know, it, it makes it worse. Um, it destroys my chance of being helpful. Um, and, and then this last part here that says that God shows us how to take a kindly and tolerant view. I can't get there by myself a lot of the time. You know, I really can't. I'm so caught up in my stuff that I absolutely have to go to power greater than me to be able to be shown how to take a kind and tolerant view of whatever situation it is. And I do that by the paragraph previously. I do that by starting to look at other people. Then I don't even think of them as spiritually sick anymore. I, I don't tend to use that wording anymore. I see them as other people as human beings and them, like me, are driven by their own instincts, their own brain chemistry, their own moods, whatever's gone on that day. People don't deliberately set out to harm me by and large. They're just driven by the same stuff that I am. And when I can see that, you know, that other human beings, just like me being human, I can then get into that compassion and that kind and tolerant view of, of that, you know, they're just doing the best they can with the tools they have. Um, and sometimes that's not great. And sometimes I'm not great either. And um, and that levels us all and enables me to then let go of that resentment and move into, OK, what is it in me that needs to be changed here? What is it in me that I can ask God to take away? What is it in me that I can behave differently? How can I take a deep breath and not steam in there with wanting to be right or be, be you know, to win the argument, get them to do what I want? Um, and, and when I can do that, you know, that pause where God is. And I will leave that there. Perfect timing. Thank you. Thank you, Claire E. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Thursday or Friday, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once 
as it does help me to hear everybody. Who would like to share? Rick J. Larry K. Christina J. Ken WH. Victoria L. Okay, let me tell you who I heard because I know I did miss somebody. I heard Rick J, Tamara C, Christine J, Ken WH, Victoria L. Who did I miss? Uh, Larry K. Great, thanks, Larry. All right, we've got our lineup. Rick J, could you start us off, please, followed by Tamara C. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for your service. And uh, my name is Rick J. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And um, you know, this avoiding retaliation or argument, there's there's just this, you know, foundation within me that is is broken at a certain level um, and left on my own. I remain broken. I I see the world as is trying to harm me or trying to criticize me or, you know, just uh, you know, do something that I don't want them to do. And that's my old idea, you know. And I have this this old factory default setting, you know. And there's some of those are good reasons for for some of my interactions with people in the past. But um, just as we are, you know, going through the inventory process, and and we are looking at this, and we're we're putting these resentments down, and we're looking at the causes and conditions, you know, that's why we do this. And um, I have to remember on a daily basis that there's a part of me that is is still there. The only thing, as Claire was saying, the only thing that can remove that, that can steer me away from that is asking the God of my understanding for help. And I don't have to retaliate. I don't have to argue. I don't have to accept the invitation to fight someone. You know, I'm supposed to be living in a code of uh, love and tolerance where I'm not fighting anyone. And I can honestly say that that just is not my reality, but that's my goal. That's my direction. That's what I'm trying for. That's what I ask for help with. And, um, you know, I have this part of me that's extremely sensitive. I'm childish. I'm grandiose. And um, I don't want to go through my life just for today because I'm taking this one day at a time, you know, as a victim, as people doing something to me. We're all children of God and worthwhile human beings, and we have a right to be here. But I'm only responsible for my behavior and my thoughts and my actions. And the best way for me to do that is to ask God to show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every person in my life. And the first time I did this process, when I went through the fourth step, absolutely, I was getting to explore this territory for the first time. And, you know, and by continuing to live in the steps, I do this on a daily basis. I was looking at my inventory this morning, and I was looking at where I got resentful at someone in my life, you know, and I brought that into my corrective measures. You know, that's where the rubber meets the road, and pausing is still the number one thing that I struggle with. I have to pause. It's my first responder action. You know, it's like my 911 call, 
and I have to do a spiritual triage immediately. And sometimes it's just stepping back and realizing that Rick is starting to take charge again, is coming in, and I can let that go before it goes anywhere else. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Tamara C., it's your turn, followed by Christine J. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you for your service. Good morning. This is Tamara C., recovered compulsive overeater, living in Missouri. So with my character defects and my patterns, um, the way that I argue and retaliate is um, usually it starts in my mind. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't avoid arguments in my mind when I'm in my disease and character defects. And... Um, how can I be taking a kindly and tolerant view of people when I'm having an imaginary argument with them? I do this mostly with my husband. I'm just like I'm needing to find like just the right words to convince him to see that I'm right and he's wrong. And um, my retaliation might look like um, retreating and just harboring this resentment. And, um, you know, I, in that moment, I tell myself, what a great job I'm doing accepting his bad behavior, and I'm not complaining about it, but really I'm, I'm not accepting it just because I'm um, wanting to look good and wanting to look like that, you know, compliant person, but really I'm, like, fantasizing about the day that he realizes how wrong he was and how much he hurt me. And, and uh, this you know, just harboring this this uh, resentment, it will suddenly come out in some, like, sarcastic remark or some kind of blaming, shaming comment. And um, so, you know, how how is this? Uh, this is not helping me take a kindly and tolerant view. Um, and, and in recovery, I, I am able to notice this because I'm doing regular inventory and I catch it and I ask myself, why would I want him to feel bad? I'm just able to get more honest with myself about what I want and does this align with my values? Um, and then um, this part about, you know, I wouldn't treat a sick person this way. It helps me to think of my mom after she had a stroke. And um, I just didn't care if she was right or wrong. I just saw her suffering and I wanted her to feel loved and safe. And I just wanted to be helpful. And, you know, I see, you know, how can I be helpful to someone when my purpose is to uh, make them sorry for harming me and prove to them how wrong they are, then I'm just wanting to do harm. And as um, as has been shared, you know, with all of this, I need a power to do for me what goes against my basic instinct of fight or flight. And uh, I just, I really need a higher power. And thankfully, the instructions that follow this paragraph and move me towards the next steps. You know, they get me to a place where this power can work with me and can produce a change in me. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Tamara C. Christine J., it's your turn, followed by Ken W.H. Good morning, Christine. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from North Carolina. Oh, yeah. The first word that came to me this morning, interestingly enough, was hot poker. My resentments are the hot pokers, you know. I can be going around thinking I'm doing great, not not resenting anyone, kind of get, you know, on a high horse of, oh, I don't have these problems. And then someone will look at me wrong or criticize me, 
for something I did that I think is right. And boy, does my tummy and heart get in a clench. I get in a clench, and it's an internal clench. I don't say anything because I learned not to say anything, not to scream out in anger because my parents did that, and I swore I'd never do it. So these resentments are killing me. They kill me inside. They lock me down. The sunlight of the spirit is gone. But I call them a hot poker of God because God's showing me where I'm still holding, where I'm still affected, you know. And I can uh, character assassinate these people has also been shared in my fantasies. You know, I used to sit around and spend time fantasizing about how I could get back at them, how I could manipulate the situation so that they'd see that I was right and they were wrong. Just this past weekend, I got some wonderful, (laughs) what do they call it, Um, fluffy uh, advice about how to recover, you know, from someone that's not in program. And I got offended. I got like, um, I wanted to tell that person like it was. They told me, you know, just meditate and you can have comfort foods every so often. I was like, right. You know, I'm going to tell you, I spent like 10 minutes looking on the web for something to show them what compulsive overeating was all about. And, you know, God just said, be quiet. They don't know. They don't know. You know, and what was the bottom line to this irritation? The fact that I wanted to be right. And it made me look at all the other areas in my life where I've been affected by someone telling me how to do something when I think I know how to do it. You know, I'm in control. So there's a lot of things, beautiful things that are revealed by our resentments. If we can take this program and apply it, we can learn and grow and get free because these resentments are uncomfortable. They hurt me. They cause me to be separated. I'm caught up in my anger or my frustration or my fear, mostly fear, 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 fear. So anyway, that's what I got this morning. The hot poker of God is probably going to hit me a few times today and I get an opportunity to grow and to do a 10-step. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Christina J. And Ken W.H., it's your turn, followed by Victoria L. Good morning, Ken. Well, good morning. I am Ken W.H., recovery compulsive overeater from North Carolina. Um, I'm just aware uh, that... um, well, the qu- the question I have to ask myself when, with regard to all of this resentment stuff and my list and everything else is how well do I want to be um, – how, really, how well do I want to be? And um, the the word sick has its own challenges, and, and I won't let that distract me, but I, I like to think more in terms of the word distracted um, – other people are distracted at times, just like me. I'm easily distracted, and and I think most people are at some time or another uh, easily distracted or just something going on in their life. I don't have a clue what's going on in your life uh, at the moment that we have an encounter or when we had that encounter 25 years ago if I'm still hanging on to a resentment. Um, when I'm When I'm distracted, I don't always behave well. I'm not paying close attention to what's happening right now in the moment, present. And uh, when that happens, I usually uh, tend to, at times, say the wrong thing or not say it very well. And um, I need to be aware that that a whole lot of people come to me and uh, I have experiences with them that they're bringing a whole ton of baggage that I cannot see 
and I have no idea what it is. Um, I have to allow them that uh, freedom to carry whatever baggage they have. Um, sometimes their baggage gets in the way of our inner, you know, her interchange, and and uh, things don't go as well as I might like. Um, I don't have to see them as sick so much as uh, just full of life, uh, life happening to them as life happens to me. I just need to be more and more myself aware of what I bring to an encounter. And, and that will help me to avoid uh, developing any kind of resentment. Uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily like the behavior that someone else has exhibited in my encounter, but, uh, and I don't have to fully accept that, but if it's unhealthy behavior, but um, people are people. And, and I bring stuff to our encounters that you don't know anything about. And I may have just gotten up out of the wrong side of the bed and stubbed my toe, who knows. Uh, So I just need to be aware. I need to be aware that other people are distracted too. And uh, that that allows me to be a little more tolerant of uh, what's happening. And maybe I can even pray for what's happening in their lives, even if I don't know what it is. That's all I got. Thanks. And thank you, Ken W.H. Victoria L., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Welcome, Victoria. Good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L., and I'm a compulsive overeater. I should say I'm a hardcore compulsive overeater. So I've been relapsed for months and months and months. I don't even know how long. And, um, you know, not reaching out for help because of pride and ego and shame and all of that kind of stuff. And I finally found a new sponsor. And so I'm starting on day two today. And uh, let me tell you, if you have even one day of abstinence, hold on to it because... Getting abstinent again is really hard, and the detox process is absolutely uh, horrendous. And, you know, when when I'm eating, I don't think my compulsive eating is affecting anyone else but me. Um, But I started realizing last week that, um, you know, the big book talks about how we we substitute a a negative for positive attitude, and my attitude gets really negative. And the more I'm into the food... Um, the shorter my pause button is. And I go from being able to respond to reacting. And I started reacting at work. And uh, that's the last thing I can afford right now is to have any kind of difficulties with work. I've done it, you know, my whole career, I was the person getting awards. And then a few years ago, I got fired from two two jobs back to back because of being reactive in the workplace. And um, it was all due to me being deeply in the food uh, each time. And I could start feeling that happening again. And um, and then I'm, I lie to myself about what my resentments really are. You know, I tell myself I've worked so many four steps that I don't really have any resentments. But, um, you know, there's just work to be done that's deeper and surrender that I need to do that's deeper. And um, I, I've struggled with this program for 11 years. And uh, not due to lack of trying, maybe do more to just lack of complete surrender. I don't recommend that for anyone. And um, But I'm here, you know, giving it a go again. I'm back on the line. And um, I'm in the book. I'd love outreach calls if anyone wants to outreach me. Victoria L., thank you. 
Thank you, Victoria L. And next is Larry Kay. Please go ahead, Larry. Morning, I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. And I wanted to chime in on this here. <clears throat> Let me set my timer here. Um, we cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Uh, there's no justice like angry mob justice. <laughs> so I like the metaphor for intolerance, you know, as a, a group of angry villagers with uh, pitchforks, you know, forming a mob. Um, it may be a mob of one, but just as damaging as a hundred people with pitchforks with a good resentment and a cause to get, you know, some revenge. And so, yeah, I was thinking there's, there's this, there's this card game by the name uh, of torches and pitchforks, you know, it makes me laugh a little bit, but, um, you know, the, the townsfolk, I, I'm part of the townsfolk here. They, they, they've suffered attacks for years, but they're not going to take it anymore. You know, those, those creepy monsters have, uh, uh, haunted us for long enough, and now it's time for you to pay. And I'm the mob of one, and 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 I'm going to carry this resentment. I'll take it to the ends of the earth. I don't care if it's corroding me from the inside. I bought my uh, my torch from the, the the pitchfork and torch store, and I've got it, and I'm going to burn down burn down the town and everyone around me. And you see, as I learned to work step four as a lifetime practice. I'm being infused with the, with the practice of letting go, putting down my pitchfork, putting down my torch. I'm learning to, that I do not need to impose my ideas and beliefs on others. And I recognize also that old ego ideas like to cling on, right? And, and so I can fall prey to the idea that others should believe the way I believe, they should maybe even follow the same spiritual path that I, that, I, that, I, that I am. Well, that's nonsense. For me, to, you know, if I'm going to truly cultivate spiritual tolerance, step four enables me to look at the things that I'm intolerant towards. You know, what is it that I cannot accept? It allows me to see a truth that even my good intentions often hide the truth that I may be trying to control and manipulate you in the world around me. And so what I, what I found is that in the space of spiritual tolerance, I learned to see others as simply expressing themselves. And so long as no one is, is threat, threatening me physically, most things that people say to me don't require further attention. Maybe just a smile and an acknowledgement, not a self-justified, arrogant smile, not a gather around, let me tell you how wrong you are kind of deal. And then God enables me to go on with my day. That's what this is for me, this step four. It's a lifetime practice. It's, it, it leads to a, a, a sustainable spiritual awakening, ever evolving. No more pitchforks. No more pitchforks for me. With that, I pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Larry Kay. Just a reminder for those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later that we are continuing our study of the big book and the chapter, How It Works. Page 67, the first paragraph, we avoid retaliation or argument. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Thursday or Friday, 
please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Lisa, Chris. I heard Lisa and Russ M. Who else? Chris M. Russ M. And Chris M. Tracy G. Okay, let me tell you again who I've got because I did miss somebody. I have Lisa, Russ M. Chris M, Ann A, Tracy G. Who did I miss, please? Nope, we're good to go. Okay. Lisa, could you please start us off and could we have the initial of your last name? Um thank you. My name is Lisa. Um and I I really needed this paragraph this morning since Yesterday, I've been struggling with this resentment and, and I guess, expectation um, with my sister. And I've been, since last night, just kind of rolling over what I want to say in order, like, to retaliate. Not a good thing. And um, I've been taught that resentment actually means to refeel my injury, not resolve. I mull it over and mull it over like it, it's a meal. And this, this paragraph triggered a memory of mine. And there's a, there's a poem that, that's called The Skeleton at the Feast. And it's about viewing this as like this wonderful meal that I have. But actually what I'm eating is my, myself. I'm not, I'm not, you know, injuring the other person. I'm just eating myself alive. But this morning, um, I was led to um, listen to this meditation I found on YouTube, and it's a meditation on the prayer of St. Francis. And, you know, that's absolutely a go-to for me with this relationship with my sister. Um, to stop thinking about myself, my injury, my expectations. She, and and I, loved, I loved the uh, reference to the distractions. How true is that? And especially when it just, it was so helpful to me to focus on that and and not want to create any kind of uh, problem that that is going to cause her to distance herself or or take a dim view of of, um, my seeking help, which she already carries. Um, because she desperately, um, that's, that's my taking her inventory, but um, I just want to be an example of, of you know, I want to be a walking big book in progress, walking big book, as they say, a walking example of recovery instead of, of somebody who lords it over someone or, or uh is in any way judgmental or critical about someone else's issues, if that makes sense. So, um, and then, you know, and of course, I haven't inventoried my my own part of it, yes, but I'm going to. 
Um, so that's my next step. That's all I've got. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. Russ M., it's your turn, followed by Chris M. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Lynn. Russ M., recover compulsive overeater outside of Philly. And I'm sure you all saw that that meme on uh, social media if you're on there. You know, uh, I'm not yelling. I'm uh, I'm Italian. I'm not arguing. That's just how I talk. I'm Italian. Something to that effect. That's a lie. That's a lie. I'm trying to retaliate. I'm trying to argue. I'm trying to be right. I don't know why. I battle that every day. Every day. You know, uh, Larry's right. Got to put the pitchfork down, man. I ain't got to be fighting people. And uh, it's so hard. Thank goodness we have the 10th step. Thank, Thank goodness I can work that. I want there to be a day where I don't have to say anything. That'll throw them off. That'll throw my family off. That'll throw the people I deal with off because they're waiting for a reaction because they know who I am. They won't know what the hell to do if I if I just say okay, I understand and 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 move to the next thing without well that they wouldn't know how to that they would be shocked because they wouldn't have to be fighting me all day. And uh, you know, just for example, last night my son, my oldest. We have a contentious relationship. He's my boy, my right hand man. But you know, we hit heads, and we have a we have an event with the band, and we're supposed to have a big rehearsal. And he said, "I'm not practicing." <laughs> boy, my Sicilian got up real quick, and I'm ready to go. And I said, "You know what? I'm not going to win this." And uh, thank goodness for this program. Thank goodness I could get on the phone. And I got out of there because before I became a fool. Every time I lose my temper, I argue I'm a fool. They got me. I didn't take the bait through the grace of God. So it's a little bit of growth. But really, I wanted to, I got in and got sod. I mean, I got hot. I was so mad. But through this program, I could do it. It's not natural for me. Really, I'm free from the food, I'm not eating, I'm better in many other areas, but this resentment part, man, this retaliation, I'm re- I'm still ready to go, and I, I hope I didn't, you know, maybe 12 minutes after I'm dead, it's all free, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, but I have to work this program with, with it's just hard, it's hard, man, it's hard, but uh, thank goodness we ha- I have the 10 step, and I'm able to work with others, get out of myself, I, I thought I grew a little bit last night, but, you know, Maybe I'll, by the time I walk into my office, uh, I'm beating up 12 people. I hope not. Hope not. So, y'all have a good day. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, Russ M. Chris M., it's your turn, followed by Ann A. Welcome, Chris. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for your service, Lynn. It's uh, Chris M., compulsive overeater recovered um, from outside Toronto in Canada. So this really hit me today. Um, The hardest part of living these spiritual principles is within my home. And uh, this, we avoid retaliation and argument. Uh, We wouldn't treat sick people that way. I have a 19-year-old, almost 20-year-old son that his whole life I have tried to control every 
every aspect of it. Before program, you know, it was, you know, his clothes had to be matching. He had to wear this, not wear that, eat this, not eat that, do his homework at this time, not at that time, hang out with this friend, not this friend. You get the point. And then, you know, we had a lot of uh, retaliation and argument because not accepting uh, who he was as a person. And uh, I wouldn't have treated anyone else that day. And then through program and doing working the steps, I I saw that and I saw my defects. But even still, um, working my program, you know, three years now almost, and, you know, being able to work with other people and pause and and go to my higher power, ask for help. Um, for, it's so it's so hard within my own family, and this is just a reminder today, you know, um, to to go to my higher power, take the pause, and you know, if I just do that, my higher power, I call her Hilda, she will show me how to take that kind and tolerant approach with each and everyone, including my own kids. You know, and they're the most important. My kids and my husband are the most important people in my life. Um, you know, and it's it's living the principles in all the affairs and, and being that example and just, you know, asking, I just need to shut my mouth. I need to zip it. I need help to shut my facial expressions down, shut my body language down, my the look in my eye, like he can read me like a book. And, you know, I want to be kind and loving. I want to be an example. I don't want to run his life. I don't want him to run his life. It's none of my business. And this is just such a big reminder because, you know, a couple of retaliation moments this weekend and my husband as well. And I have a now 13-year-old. So, you know, I just got to pause all throughout the day, seek the guidance. Hilda will, will show me the way. I just need to get out of myself and get into others and such a huge reminder. And I'm so glad I was able to be on this meeting this morning and hear from all of you and just, uh, you know, just go, go to God, go to Hilda, go to my higher power and just pause for the love of everything that is good in the world. And, you know, get out of myself. So with that, I pass and thank you for all your shares and for everybody doing service today. I I truly appreciate all of you. Have a good morning. Thank you, Chris M. Ann A., it's your turn, followed by Tracy G. Please go ahead, Ann. Oh, thank you so much, Lynn. What a a profound meeting for me. Um, uh, Thank you, everyone, for your service. I'm Ann A. from New York, but I'm today in Florida. And I, I want to thank Vicki from Cornwall, England, um, because I had an epiphany while she read um, today's words. You know, um, yeah, I'm here I'm visiting family, my two nieces and grandnephews and grandnieces, and my daughter and her boyfriend happen to be here too. And um, she doesn't has resentments against them. Um, my nieces, so I, and she doesn't want to see me. <laughs> and yet she w- wants some tickets somewhere. And um, I was trying to, you know, control her. If you meet me for lunch, I'll give you my new credit card number. But And I said, hey, what am I doing? I need to pray the sick man's 
prayer for her. I need to pray that for the past 35 months of my recovery, I never did. Um, I need to accept who she is, be helpful, not to wheel and deal with her. That's not being recovered. And by the grace of God, I am recovered. 35 months. It'll be 36 months next month. And um, that's my epiphany, you know, accept my daughter, accept her flaws. And um, if I'm truly love intolerant, which I believe I am today, um, I certainly have a lot of step 10s I fail to do, but I will do one today now that I'm cognizant of this behavior on my part that I've been blind to her, treating her special. No, everyone needs to be treated with love and tolerance. And um, I guess that's all I have. I'm just so grateful, as I said, for this epiphany. And with this, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anne A. Tracy G., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. Tracy G., North Carolina, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, I remember being a little girl, and my parents would give me instructions to do something. And the first thing that would come out of my mouth a hundred times was why. That is the gift of being in vision and reading the big book. I want the instructions, and the instructions in the big book always tell me why, if I just slow down to listen. So when I sit here and look at this first sentence about how I need to avoid retaliation argument, I want to know why. Why do I need to be? And this paragraph tells me because if I don't, it destroys my chance of ever being helpful to probably to myself and to others and definitely to God. Um, And so one of my dear friends told me about the importance of surrender. And although I know that, I really like acronyms. And the acronym she shared was Fiercely understanding real recovery entails not debating every reason. And that just spoke to me (laughs) because I can quickly, quickly come up in my mind and either react with a negative comment and what this paragraph tells me is let it go. Just don't say anything or write about it or call somebody. Do something else. And oftentimes, I, I, my family, I don't treat near as well as I treat my friends, um, ashamedly. And so this is helpful to me because it tells me that if I am willing to pause and pray, if I am willing to seek the surrendered life, which for me is a path towards serenity, um, if I am willing to seek more of God and less of myself and more other-centered, Um, then God can and will do for me what I could never do for myself, starting with my disease and also just being a a decent human being, a decent person who says, you know what, we all are broken, have faults, habits, hang up, and I don't know what's going on in other people's lives. But I'm willing to say, God, just for today, can you bless them and change me? So I'm just really grateful that not only do I know how I can be a good or a decent human being, imperfectly perfect, so to speak, 
but that the big book tells me why it's beneficial to be that way. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tracy G. We have time for two or three more shares. Who would like that time? California. Chuck Case I heard from Georgia. And I Katie. heard Chuck. Oh, Sorry, Lynn, it's Katie G. I didn't mean to shout. Okay. Yeah, Katie G and Chuck C, I believe. Katie G, would you like to start us off, please? Sorry, guys, I uh, have a little bit of laryngitis, but I was really moved to share two things. Um, one thing is that um, my mom was the star of my four steps for 17 years. I mean, she just did everything wrong, and she was the reason for every bad thing that ever happened in my life. And last year, um, I was sitting with a sponsor, and um, she said to me, what you are doing with exercise bulimia, do you see that you felt like you had no other choice? And do you see that there's a parallel that your mom felt like she had no other choice? And after so many years of step 10s sharing with others, you know, like, Steps one through nine, like, I can't tell you how much I wanted to be in love with my mom. And thank God, by seeing myself as her, I finally, finally, finally got free. And I talk to my mom daily today. I mean, and it's not always easy, um, but I don't get mad. I just don't. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't get resentful at other people. And one of the things that I'm really working on, I mean, I have these little humans and they are a reflection of me. And I don't know if you're familiar with four and a half year olds or two and a half year olds, but they like to tantrum. And what I've been praying recently is to see them with God's eyes because, you know, it really struck me this morning that it says, God is going to show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. You know, and so much of my work is so much what I've heard today. What a great meeting about needing to pause, you know, like needing to, and you know, you heard me. I didn't do that when I thought Lynn didn't hear my name, right? Because my voice is a little scratchy and I wanted to be heard today because I thought maybe Maybe what I'm saying can help a newcomer or somebody in relapse. So I apologize if that busted your eardrums. I'm still a work in progress. But anyway, you know, I, I'm so grateful because today, even when I start to think, how can I get back to this person, I know that resentment and fear are stealing me. And it's like, God, you show me. How can I see this beautiful human being? with your eyes and hear them and be with them just like you want me to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Chuck C., you'll be our last share this morning. Please go ahead. Hey, this is Chuck K., and I'm from Georgia. Oh, 
And uh, I, that's all right. I'm, I'm proud to be able to share this morning. I, I'm not able to attend this meeting like I'd like. And uh, funny, over the weekend, I was at a sales conference, and I hate to be at those. I don't like to be told what to do, and I certainly like don't like to do it sitting there for hours on end listening to these people. And you know what they're teaching us? They're teaching us love and service. Service your customer. And then an, a particular bit of information they said was, you know, you don't say this to someone, but when you're ready to interact with someone, in your mind you look at them straight in the face and say, I love you. Now, you don't say that to them because that would be weird. And I thought that was such an interesting concept. They said what happens is something happens inside of you that changes the whole dynamic of the conversation to the extent that the other person can feel and see it. And I'm sitting in this class listening to this. We've paid thousands of dollars to do this, and they're just teaching me programming. And I love when I have those kind of moments. It's so interesting when you're when you're sitting in your religious group or whatever, and you hear some things, and you're like, well, that, that's just programmed. Well, let me tell you what kind of person I am without program. I am the person that's in the shower by myself. My wife will come up and go, what are you, who are you talking to in there? And what she doesn't know is I'm having a full-blown conversation to her father-in-law or her her father, of what I would say to him if he ever dared do something that I thought he was going to do. A complete fantasy land, make-up world story, and I'm living it into the shower where my wife's asking me who I'm talking to in there. That's the kind of crazy that I can be. And, you know, we've heard a lot about step four, and it's, you know, program is a lifelong thing, and, you know, those are, those are good comments, but what exactly does that mean? And I think sometimes we get... We don't understand it or, you know, it's a nice thing to say, but don't really understand what it means. Step four is kind of a beginning of the work of that process of the lifetime of commitment. And the reason that it's important is, you know, we're honest and we're open with, with people. But also it's a skill set. It's the beginning of a skill, just like riding your bike, that you have to learn so that you can recover because – no matter how long you've been abstinent, no matter how long you work this program, your character defects, your ego is always going to be there. And it is trying its best to get you to slip up, to get you to go down the road of the character defect and all of the things that go along with that. And these steps are our only defense for that. These steps unclog everything, allow us to have a relationship with the God of our understanding that's going to give us what we need to stay out of the food. And it's a miracle how it happens. And so it's interesting to see people go through this step for the first time because, you know, they talk about honesty and there are people that just are absolutely unwilling to look at these things uh, as being their problem. They've either been so hurt, they're so frustrated, so mad. There's some things that I was that way with. But the important thing is just to keep up with the work, keep doing it. So thanks for letting me share. I'm proud to be here this morning. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you, Chuck Kay. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, March the 13th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 20046. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Tamara C., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yep, this is Tamara C., Recovered in Missouri. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.